Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you for coming back again and watching On the Town with Tanya. We appreciate you. Uh, today's guest is an ambassador at uh, Survivor Against Violence Everywhere, New England. She is a co-host of Stop Child Abuse Now talk show, and she is also an incest child abuse survivor and the author of a great book, Listen to the Cry of the Child. Please welcome Barbara Joy Hansen. Hi, Barbara. Hi. Thank you, Tanya, for having me and allowing me to have my voice heard today. Oh, we thank you for, for even showing up and, and spreading your word and sharing your story. It's a very powerful and very helpful when people uh, share their story. So we thank you. Um, so just to get right into it, first, I'd like to start out with stats. Uh, today, people, you know, um, we, you know, that's a big pet peeve of mine, uh, which I'm sure is of everyone's, um, any kind of child abuse at all. Um, and sexual child abuse is uh, the most horrific thing, I think, that could possibly happen um, to a child because they, you know, they don't even get a chance to ever be the right or the mm, robust adult that they could have been. Right. Uh, so that even if we get healing, we find healing. I'm a former victim. If we find healing, that's not to say that we won't be great people and do great things. We usually do. But um, there's still always that little piece that could have been um, you know, just lost. Uh, so it's very dear to my heart. And that's why we're talking about it. Uh, and we appreciate Barbara for coming and sharing her book and her story. So, Barbara, tell us just a little bit of stats if you have some on, on hand. Yes, one out of three girls and one out of five boys have been molested. Every two minutes, a child is molested. Mm. Victims are four times more likely than the general population to be depressed and commit suicide. Mm. And incest is an act of violence. But the biggest statistic is in Sports Illustrated coaches abusing their children. And of course, we've heard about the Olympic coaches abusing kids, yeah. uh, the doctor that got in prison. Um, 120 to 350 children are molested in Sports Illustrated, quoted in Charisma May 2000 magazine, uh, before getting caught, pedophiles mm -hmm. molest 150 to 350 children. Mm. As much as 89% of all sexually abusive events occur by a relative. Yes, yes, I saw that. I, um, it's just, when I think of the numbers, it's just staggering to me that 35% are 11 and younger, um, what they say, uh, 4, million, 4 million people are referred, uh, referred to um, and reported, but guess what? Only, what is it? Uh, only, let me see, it's 4 million, are referred, there are 7.2 million, million victims, and then only about 2.9, 2.9 million. Actually. And men are, men are responsible for 90 to 90% of currently reported abuse cases. Yes. And a lot of people are in prison as a result of sexual abuse. And right. there's no hope. I, I'm a prison evangelist, and mm -hmm. I've been in so many prisons worldwide, mm -hmm. all over the world. And uh, I've met pedophiles. I've spoken at uh, conferences, at prison conferences mm -hmm. with sex offender uh, mm -hmm. in the room telling his story and me telling mine. So um, I'm an expert in the field, not that I chose to be, nor you, right. but um, it is definitely a calling that I have near and dear to my heart. Absolutely. 
it is uh, is a very devastating uh, thing. And and I've worked with uh, offenders also. I I get that. Um, I you know, uh, how about this? First, we'll go. We'll share your story, just a piece of your story. So there is. I put a trigger warning, but there really isn't a trigger warning because Barbara's able to tell her story without the trauma, without the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Details. Without details. I don't go graphic. We don't go graphic, and no. purposely I don't do it because there's some people that actually uh, enjoy that, and so I don't like to no. do that for that reason. Um, but so there's no trigger warning, but there is a trigger warning. Some people may not even like this topic, so that's fine. I respect that. Um, just uh, share the video if you can because somebody's watching who may be going through it right now, a child going through it, or an adult who knows of someone that's going through it. And you would have to be able to give information if you're going to help somebody. You can't help anybody if you don't know anything. So that's, that's why we do these stories. Um, so thank you. And uh, be my guest. Please share just a piece of your story. Should I play that video first and then you tell it? What do you think you about can. that? Yeah? Yes. Okay. So sure. I'm going to show a video, guys. Um, just a little quick, literally a quick um, video of... Um, Barbara, um, from childhood to uh, to the great things that she's done now. It's a real quick uh, video, but she'll give us explanation after. Okay, here we go. So let's see. Um, and this is, um, that's her book. That's her as a child. Toddler, sorry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm Dr. Aja. Okay. All right. So thank you. So now go ahead, share with us your story. Um, I have been called on the front lines to scream out, literally scream against sexual violence. Often the church doesn't want to clean its stained glass windows. And I'm a pastor's daughter. I grew up in the church. I grew up in a wonderful, happy, godly home. I thought I had to leave it to Beaver family, which none of us do. But um, I have a visual here, um, stained glass pane. I wept mm. and I cried. Wait. Wait, hold, hold it up a little. Hold it up. Yeah. Oh, wow. You did They're that? They're holding together with tears coming down the stained glass windows. Uh, and it says, I wept and I cried and I died inside. And a little piece of me shredded. And I was and I was a Christian and we are getting ripped apart. And the church is silent. So hmm. I am a, I've been called into this ministry. Mm -hmm. which is huge. Very few people have the vision uh, mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. And, oh, yeah, you've you've been ostracized, criticized, blamed, shamed, all that. Mm -hmm. Shame says I did something wrong. Blame says something's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Shame says I did a bad thing. Blame says I am a bad person. Mm -hmm. And if you've been violated by someone, and I was tragically violated by my grandfather on my mother's side, my cousins were molested by him. He took me out for rides in his car and unzipped himself. And I screamed trying to jump out of the car. And they were always out of ice cream. And he, I'm sure, ate it up before we came for a visit at Christmas time. I was on the radio one time telling my story. And someone said, oh, at least you were safe on Santa's lap. Well, my grandfather dressed up as Santa. So guess what? I hated Santa. Yeah. So... I, um, you know, I speak wherever God opens doors, and I really want to thank you for uh, allowing me to come on your show today. Let it not be said that I was silent when they needed me. So there's people listening today, and, and you'll get it out there all over for me. But why do child victims of sexual crimes carry their secrets? 
mm. without disclosing them for mm. decades or maybe through a lifetime. Mm. It's, sexual abuse is a double sickness. You have a normal life in your home here, and then over here, you're being molested. So it produces guilt, shame, fear, anxiety, nightmares, sadness, isolation, withdrawal, panic attacks. I had nightmares. Um, I would scream in the middle of the night. And when I wrote my book, my mother reminded me of that. And she said, I held you and I kicked her. And I said, you're not my mommy. I was not even awake at that time because I was so traumatized. Mm -hmm. um, and you can be traumatized by your child being hit or killed by a car or mm -hmm. domestic violence. I went through sexual domestic violence with pornography coming in my marriage and then uh, infidelity. And my husband and I are still together, which is a miracle. Right. Uh, if he hadn't been willing to go to therapy and own up and having me tell him what he did, uh, and then me grieving my losses, we would never be married today. And we have been married 58 years. Wow. No, I don't look that old. <laughs> I'm very blessed. I have good genes. But, uh, yeah, so spiritual abuse, that one I just showed, I want to know what that is. Um, you're questioned by a pastor and you and you feel less than uh, to perform by their standards. So the elders uh, in a particular church that we went to uh, questioned my authority after I wrote my book. Okay. This is my book. And you show oh, yeah. a picture of it. Yes. Listen to the ch the cry of the child. You can the pick it up on your guys. Of sexual abuse. So it goes. I go into great de detail without getting graphic uh, in my book. Right. And so my call to ministry was questioned. And they said, you're not healthy enough to, to teach a support group, which I was doing. You're not healthy enough to be in the church and work with kids. I was teaching junior church and then the praise choir in that particular church. I had to document every phone call that came in or if I saw Teen Challenge guys outside the grocery store, which I connected to because I connect to addicts, um, and every person I met, I had to document that. And after a few months or a few weeks, I mean, um, I told the woman uh, pastor uh, counselor uh, mm -hmm. that I've had enough. And she said, don't allow anybody to dump on you, Barb. You've already gone through so much trauma and you are an expert and you have the ability to help others. Mm -hmm. So we have lived a frozen scream. PTSD is traumatic amnesia. I don't know if you know that, but traumatic am amnesia is like the war vets. You uh, are stuck in denial. You have no words, no understanding. I didn't know what he was doing to me. My grandfather, my uncle was also a pedophile. Yeah. And then I was molested at a, a camp, a Christian camp when I was 11 and 12. He came back two summers mm -hmm. uh, and the suppressed memories went way down deep. And you do a mind-body split to cope. So you live in isolation. You're overwhelmed. Threats by family or perpetrator. Of course, they tell you, don't tell. And so I didn't tell for 38 years. Mm. Roomed at a very early age. You're not believed when you do tell. Mm -hmm. And it's a void of trust. It took me a long time to trust my husband again after that happened in our marriage. Mm -hmm. And that's a chapter in my book called Beyond Betrayal. So I might mention that if you want a copy of my book, uh, yeah. you, you can yeah. get that from me at my email address, bobbyjoyhanson at juno.com. 
And I want to tell you why the cover has a picture of a garbage heap on it, on the bottom of the cover. It's because God woke me up three nights in a row from deep sleep with a vision of a cover on my book. And I saw my face on the cover, the little girl, and I, um, it was like you're hijacked by somebody that wants to do, do things to you. And so there was a tossed airplane, a tossed baby, a tossed baby doll crying, a toy airplane, baby carriage. I couldn't understand why me, why am I supposed to write a book? But God said, my child, there's life in that clay pot. Someone tossed out. It's cracked and no one wanted it. You, your life's been broken and poured out as an offering, a drink offering with mm. passion and a purpose to give hope to others like you. There's mm. a seed in that flower pot that's growing with a beautiful rose, which is blooming and blossoming. My life, once that is now born again, like that rose, fragile and fragrant. The things that I didn't want to talk about, I'm talking about now because all those that are calling in and that will continue to hear my story we'll get encouraged and we'll get hope. They, they're going to think, wow, you went through so much. Another thing I went through was postpartum depression. I couldn't conceive a baby and you don't even hear that statistic. No. Uh, sexual abuse victims or survivors, um, mm -hmm. I'm no longer a victim, I'm a victorious survivor, have health problems. And mm -hmm. I had trouble getting pregnant. I told my OBGYN, and he said, don't try so hard. Well, I wanted a baby desperately. I'd go in the department stores and touch the baby clothes and see my friends getting pregnant. People, a little old lady in the church my daddy pastored said, why aren't you having a baby? Why aren't you? They have no business ask, asking me that. So after I um, tried and tried and tried for so long, Mm -hmm. um, we adopted our firstborn child. So there's a chapter in my book about adoption and uh, the birth mother's story and then my story and mm -hmm. a poem. And after um, adopting our son, Todd, uh, five months later, I got pregnant. So our children wow. are 14 years apart. <laughs> and then seven years later, we had another little boy. So we have three grown sons now. Really? So the Postpartum depression, I want to tell that because people don't talk about that. After I had uh, my second child, after we adopted and I got pregnant and then we had um, Brian, um, you're, you suffer, 50 to 60% of women suffer from mild baby blues mm -hmm. a few weeks after the birth. But mine was larger. Mine was 50% go unnoticed and undiagnosed. You're all alone. You want to run away from your life. And I, I really wanted to run away. Yeah, but there's one thing also you forgot. When you're a victim, um, having a baby will trigger that, especially around the age that you were. That's mm -hmm. another thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the pregnancy and caring for a newborn creates or revs up the stress of taking care of a newborn child. So um, I also want to tell about um, the post-traumatic stress disorder uh, a little bit more. It's a numbness. You, you are so numb, you can't talk about it. You cannot deal with it. It's crippling. You're hostage to your past. You wear a mask. And I'm, I want to move over because I want you to see this mask that I have here. 
That's mm. me as a little girl. And in my support group, I teach Beauty Out of Ashes. I hand out masks to the girls that are, I've also taught men, but it's better to, for me to stick with women. Who am yeah. I? A victim. I was mm. shamed, blamed, enabled, condemned, controlled, living in a dungeon, damaged, blackness, shackled, despair. I thought I was all those things. And then I passed down a mask and asked the women in the group, how do you see Barb? Be honest. And they saw me as a butterfly. Gentle, release, happy, peaceful, wings, author, purpose, soul, heal, caring, warrior, soldier. So they see, see me that way. You see yourself totally different than others see you. And when I went, went back to my high school reunion and my husband's college reunion, they were shocked I wrote a book. They were shocked I was an abusive brother. I couldn't tell for 38 years. You couldn't tell, Tanya, I'm sure. Yeah, nobody can never tell. They always... Uh... People assume a lot of things and they don't, um, how do you say it? They, and then when you do tell them, they still don't, set, they believe they you, blame. but they don't want to believe you. So they actually sometimes yeah. take side of the abuser and do things that are just ludicrous. It's like, I just told you what happened to me and you're letting this person babysit your kid. Wow. Okay. So we know where you're at. So, so people do that all the time, but I, I no longer get upset. Um, I actually say, I just pray for the children that are, that are going to be around those people that did not get help. So it's not like, yes. even, even though in my personal opinion only, not professional, not even any other, just my personal opinion, I don't believe a actual pedophile could ever be helped. That's just my personal opinion. Now, some people right. say, oh, you say, Ken, when you're, no, you can't. I, I, when you get to a certain age, you're, if you're a child doing it, that yes. If you're a grown adult, I'm talking about 30 plus, and you're doing mm -hmm. that. I don't believe, and I could be absolutely wrong. This is just my belief only. I don't believe that there is any reckon, there's any hope at all, because it is something that is so ingrained and so embedded and so twisted from your childhood that has never gotten any help that there's, it's kind of like, kind of late to reverse it. So unless you have a lobotomy, I don't think anything's really going to help you because it's not even about sex, as you know, sexual abuse. It's no, not about let me interject. Let me interject. Let me interject something there about what you just said about the pedophile. It's mm -hmm. any inappropriate sexual contact with children without consent. It can be visual. Yes. Seeing a picture. Oh, yeah. It can be somebody oh. coming out of the woods and exposing himself to you. It can yes. be psychological, physical, inappropriate touching to rape. Yes. God's created male and female to please one another. And yes. unfortunately, it becomes a hatred for your own soul. Pleasure yes. versus poison, desire versus terror leaves the victim powerless and filled with shame. Yeah. In the heart of every person attracted to children is a very lost child. Something bad mm -hmm. happened in their childhood to prey upon children. Their childhood was lost. That doesn't mean that I'm supposed to go on and repeat this. And, you know, exactly. sexually, I could never do that. I love exactly. children too much. Exactly. So I would never. I, I emotional wounds and and the sex offenders does too and maybe they're in an angry alcoholic home or are doing drugs to escape i spoke in a workshop in the family prisoner conference and there were they couldn't even fit another person in the room because he told his story the sex offender served over 17 years in prison and when he got out uh he contacted me for my book and I said, why don't you send in your paper proposal and get into this um, conference? And he said, oh, they'd never accept me. Well, they did. And they, and he asked me, would you mind speaking in 
uh, the same room as me. And I said, no, because I want to know. I want to hear your story. I want to know why you do what you did or why you did it. Right. And I did learn. I did learn a lot from him. And he of said, course. just like alcohol, you can have, you know, if I'm in a city by myself and my wife isn't here, he was married. He said, I could go out and get a kid as, you know, quick as I wanted to. But he said, I have to get down on my knees and pray and ask God to take that desire away. It could be alcohol or drugs or any kind of desire. Now, my addiction was codependency with addicts, with a with a heroin um, male prostitute. I um, I have deep empathy, and I'm sure you do too, because somebody that's gone through um, what, for the metaphor. No, no, I have deep empathy for people that are hurting. Uh, mm -hmm. I call them Jesus tears. If if you can't cry i can tell somebody's been abused when i see their faces so my husband and i uh went into prison we were put together with a heroin male heroin addict he had deep soul wounds i connected with him because i did too and he started writing letters to me that is number one red flag but i didn't know it then i wasn't whole i hadn't written my book but i, I became enmeshed uh, it was a training ground for me for years of codependency. And then I had to turn a deaf ear to him and all others. And I started teaching uh, women addicts. Beauty Out of Ashes is my support group that I yes, teach a 12-step group. Mm -hmm. And it really helps you overcome. So um, I've learned so much about myself. Mm -hmm. I learned that I had to let go of this guy who came in and out of our home out of crack houses, out of prisons, over an eight-year period. Every time he'd get out, he'd call me, and I'd try to get him in another rehab, and I did, but that wasn't the right thing for me to do because I wasn't whole. I had empathy towards him because he was an abuse survivor. So um, God's given me deep compassion for the underdog, for the ostracized, for those that are hurting and abused. Well, um, well, I, I have compassion for everybody, but I'm still working. Uh, God is not done with me yet. <laughs> I'm working on, um, what do they call it? Two things, forgiveness, which I have forgiveness, but beyond that, just the word sounding it sounds good. Uh, but uh, like really just meshing it in and be like, uh, I'm, I'm still, I still do not believe a victim has to forgive. Everyone else says, even the pastors, the clergy, everyone says, you're not going to go to heaven if you don't forgive him, but he'll go to heaven if he, if he asks, or he, she, mostly he, asks for forgiveness. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. So they I have no right telling I, you that. Exactly. I'm not a fan no. of that kind of preaching because to me, no. that tells me a red flag that, yeah. whoa, if you're telling me that God's going to actually bring this guy to heaven that sexually abused babies and I can't go because I won't forgive him, I have a problem with that. So, so, you know, forgive me, but, uh, I like to stick to how to help the victims and uh, and what that looks like. Because to me, for me, once you've done that, for me, you can't come back for me. I can always bring the child back as a child and prevent them from being that that that, that pedophile. I can mm -hmm. do that. But we can't, once he's done his thing or share her thing, because there are women too. I, I knew a few. Um, there are women. So, and that's, you know, another story uh, in another show. Um, but. Um, you really can't, I mean, it's, it's happened. I, I, some people have said, oh, I've never did it again. And I was like, okay, I don't live your life. So I don't know, but good for you. That's great. I'm hoping that, that there is a hope for somebody. But for me, I like to stick to how can we help our children 
Uh, what does that look like? Because that's who I'm really focusing on. And parent, people who want to help parents who may not have the, uh, what's the word? They may have five or six kids in the house. I don't know, two kids or and maybe overstressed. So they don't realize uh, Janie's uh, upset every day and something's wrong with her. But to me, I'm like, uh, you should know if a two-year-old's being messed with. That's just my personal right. opinion. Yeah, you do there's, know. There's a bunch of signs, and especially kids that are groomed, which I want to talk yeah. to you about. There's a, a bunch of signs, I say it again, for kids that are groomed, that especially for toddlers. And the one big one for you is they start um, doing sexual behavior or talking sexual right. things that you've never yeah. heard them say before. That's the number one sign. It and is. Everyone ignores it. And I know it's weird. You don't know what that looks like when it first happens. But trust me, when your kids never talked about, and yes, they do discover their parts. We know that. I'm not talking about that. Like, look, right. I have this. I have, I'm not talking about that. That's, you know what that is. That's normal. I'm yeah. talking about other things that are like, oh, they used this or they did that or this, those, those kind of talks. You're like, wait, what'd you say? That's the ones that you got to start raising your eyes and just, you know, gently asking things like, oh, so who did, who did you play that game with? <laughs> You know, um, like, so you want to scare them and you don't want to make them feel bad about themselves. Right. And so you have to do it in a very clever way that's not shaming them or making them feel like something went wrong. That's one. One of the best books I read when I was starting to heal was called, is called The Wounded Heart by Dan B. Allender. Mm -hmm. um, and in it, he says, people think sexual abuse is all about sex. Sexual mm -hmm. abuse can be defined as any sexual activity, visual, verbal, physical, engaged mm -hmm. yes. in without consent, exploiting yes. a person in order to meet the other person's emotional or sexual needs, leading to power and control. And he says in the in the book, incest is one secret that holds his victims in the tightest of chains, mm -hmm. leading to guilt, confusion, and fear, creating a dungeon from mm -hmm. which there seems no escape. Mm -hmm. Even after the physical abuse, abuse, you're still held prisoner. Incest yeah. is fondling or sexual stimulation between closely related persons, yeah. and it's not normal. It is not normal between no. a parent and a child or grandparent or uncle, no. leaving that child with deep emotional lasting scars. Yes. Um, yes. I also want to tell about how I was able to face the sex offender because very, very few people can do that. And I didn't even know that I would be doing that. Yes. Um, well, did, did both get convicted, by the way, both? Your uncle and the grandpa. And no, my grandfather was dead. I, I wanted to confront him. My mother was taking care of him. My grandmother had died. Okay. Uh, but no, I couldn't. I just did not have the ability to say anything to him. Um, and I didn't write about my uncle being, uh, being a molester in the book. But my cousins told me one day when I was maybe eight or nine, um, behind the garage that he was doing things to them. So right. I avoided him. Do, by the way. So just yeah. a note to families watching, it's never usually one. I guarantee oh, no, it. it. Never, never is. Always never. one. Yeah. So in 1998, um, I went back to the youth camp. It's a, It was a church camp mm -hmm. and we have a cabin there. Mm -hmm. I went back there where the evil was exposed. I yeah. saw a best friend um, that had I connected with her in the afternoon. She was an intake counselor and she and I talked briefly. She hadn't had courage to go back to the camp for 27 years in spite of her parents uh, being 
clergy as well as mine, and she couldn't go back. Mm -hmm. I found out later in the evening, she came to me weeping and weeping, and she said, there's so much emptiness, pain and defeat with addictions. And I told her the sex offender's name because I knew that she had been molested when she was weeping like that. Mm -hmm. And she said, me too. So uh -huh. she went back to her pastor's wife at in Ohio. She said, and she contacted contacted me. She said, Barb, you know enough about sex offenders. Let's expose the sin uh, with this clergy. And mm -hmm. so she contacted Colorado Springs. Now they've moved to uh, Ohio. It's the Christian and Missionary Alliance campgrounds. Mm -hmm. And we both wrote letters. That was the hardest thing that I ever did to get quiet in the dining room and write a letter to the mm -hmm. committee. We formed eight clergy and a psychologist where no stone was unturned because they wanted to find out if there were more victims. And of course there were, but some people did not want to come forward because if you tell uh, the committee that you're a victim or that you've been victimized, then of course everybody's going to know. Mm -hmm. um, so I was already starting to teach my support group. So I told her, I said, I'll go with you to Florida. Uh, they set up a discipline hearing and uh, restoration uh, for us. There were four of us now, my friend, and I called one of my best friends who went through abortions as well. And you don't go in church and say, oh, guess what, Pastor? I just had an abortion. People don't even talk about that secret. Now, that's something I did not have, but I have many, many friends that have had abortions. So that was in 1998. 1997, one year earlier, in Mamu Alliance Academy in Gabon, Guinea, South Africa, Oh, there was a boarding school with mm -hmm. um, lots and lots of missionary children. And if you go on my website, it's called All God's Children. There's a, there's a short video about these missionary kids. For the sake of the gospel, their parents were um, separated from these kids, which I could never send my kid to a mission school that I knew nothing about. They were especially with Westerners. Uh, I'm sorry, especially with Westerners leading the way. I'm sorry to say, it. and all the missionary churches. I'm sorry yeah. to say, they're failing those kids badly. As far as oh, yeah. very bad. Yeah, and I, I mean, I love my kids too much to send them to somebody I didn't know. And yeah. so all these kids were abused in some way or other. 34 of them came forward, Tanya. Oh, at least that's the ones that could tell. The rest couldn't tell, especially yeah. the little, And this is the thing. The little boys never tell usually. I know they don't. So that's the horror of it. We don't even know. They're, they don't care if it's boy, girl. They don't care. They're doing both, and they're not telling, unfortunately. So right. we have to remember, people, it's not just one. It's never one. I guarantee you. Very, I mean, I'll say never. I won't say never. It's 99.9%. Never one when it comes to a child. If you did it to one child, I guarantee you yeah. there are many more. And if you're a peace person of authority, like a clergy, a preacher, a rabbi, or any of oh, those, yeah. then it's thousands. Yes. I hate to right. say that. And think of all the priests. How many? I mean, I know people now in their 50s and 60s who were molested by priests when they were young in yeah, different Italy and Ireland, and they are jacked. You see what I'm yeah. saying? Yes. Yeah that we share all the information and not hide it and hold it back and candy coat it because, oh, we don't want to hurt. I don't care about hurting anybody's feelings anymore. No, either. Me either. You care so long. That's why there's so many victims. So these kids were in a remote jungle mm -hmm. in Africa where they had no phones, no cell phones, nothing. Uh -huh. they, the 
kids were separated from their siblings mm -hmm. and they had, um, I mean, th there was abuse going on, not just sexual, mm -hmm. when they had to have their teeth pulled, the kids, oh. um, hands were tied behind their backs and they'd pull their what? teeth. Oh my God. They, they were all, there were all kinds of things. So oh. when they all came out with their story, a lot of them became gay. A lot of them left the church. A lot of them, you know, wanted nothing to do with Christianity. Now, my faith got stronger as a result of my um, story, of mm -hmm. my testimony. Uh -huh. But they set up an independent council or in investigation, mm -hmm. and they said, what will, they, what will this, this cost our denomination? What uh, do, will these adults need therapy? Will there be lawsuits? Mm -hmm. Will we be embarrassed? No, we need to do the right thing. So uh, they set up a committee of restoration and a retreat, and all these uh, adult kids went to the retreat to get help. Hmm. And um, the Christian Missionary Alliance has set up a workbook for churches, a safe place hmm. to help pastors have windows on the door and different things in that workbook to help oh. churches. Oh, but a wow. lot of churches don't deal with it. Right. Well, wow. Well, I'm sorry that... Um, you know, that those poor kids, I hope that they uh, get the help. We glitched for a minute, so we'll keep talking. I apologize. Um, right. I'm not sure about what this glitch is, but it's okay. Um, I feel bad for those kids because a lot of, I and as soon as I hear missionaries now in Africa, I always get worried because I saw documents and videos of people that are on these missionaries that are not good. There are some that are good. My friend goes, she, I know that those kids are in good love when she goes. I'm not saying that. I'm saying many have gone to Africa to purposely destroy those kids, and that is horrible and wrong. Uh, and I, I don't know. I don't know why Africans keep letting these missionaries in. I, I don't know. I can't understand the concept of that. I, I'd rather live dirt poor and not have anything than to have someone destroy my kid's mind because you can't right. come back. You can't. You can't make a comeback from that. So, um, no. what, what do you think? Um, you know, when you when you actually was able to go and get help, um, what actually what's the key moment in your soul that led you to that? Oh. Um, after our um, one of our sons got married, my parents were elderly and they they were in our home, and my um, um, mother came downstairs as my father and I were arguing. We were taking in addicts. I was teaching them. And my father said, you don't run a safe place or a safe house. And uh, I didn't, you know, I stumbled through some of the things I was doing too. But mm -hmm. I desperately wanted to tell my mother what my grandfather, her father had done. Mm -hmm. I knew in my gut that she was a victim. Mm -hmm. And um, yet I couldn't talk to her about it. Every right. time I want to, I couldn't. My right. mouth shut down. So yes. when he heard my daddy and I arguing, she came in the middle of this um, arguing. She said, uh, and, my, and she said, what are you talking about? And my father said, maybe you should tell her now. Because I had told my father three years prior, thinking because he's a clergy, he could help me. He right. didn't have any training. He couldn't help me. He wept for me. He felt horrible knowing that, I, that this happened at the camp where we had our cottage. But he couldn't do anything because he had no training. Now uh, with our denomination, they do have training in seminary for these, uh, for students to learn about sex abuse and what it does and all the statistics and things that happens. And I've spoken in colleges and schools all over the world and prisons as well. But one, what, 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 one thing, um, 
did he didn't want to go and uh, press charges or anything? Like he, I mean, what, what, I mean, I'm thinking father's um, first name, my father, well, not to say that. Well, we didn't know where, we didn't know where the sex offender was at that point. I was watching Oprah on Family Secrets that particular day with my mother. Oh, and my mother and I said, uh, you know, before she went upstairs to get her jammies on and come down in the middle of this argument, um, she and I were agreeing, yes, we need to tell our secrets. And I was thinking, oh, wow, wouldn't that be neat if I could do that? Then mm -hmm. she comes down and we're arguing. And my daddy said, maybe you should tell her now because I had told him three years before. Right. And Pandora's box flew open, wide wow. open, the wow. gates of hell. Wow. And ran downstairs, got my husband. Um, and I grabbed his hand. I said, I'm going to tell my mom and dad both came upstairs, held their hands. I started weeping as I told my parent, both my parents. Uh, but I started out by saying, I know something bad happened to you, mom. And my father took his hand and put it on her hand arm and said, no, 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 it didn't happen to you. He, he wanted to shut her down, not, not really wanting to hear the secrets. Uh -huh. And she said, yes, it did happen to me. And I want Bobby to know, they call me Bobby Joy. And they wanted, um, she wanted me to know that my grandfather had indeed done it to her. And the next morning she crawled in bed with me and we talked about it and she told me some things. And I used the material in my support group to go to their uh, elderly assisted living and share it with my mother and help her heal in her nineties. So oh, wow. it was so good for me to have that closure. See, yeah, the closure, that's what I'm talking about. The closure is crucial because it's one thing if something happens and everybody just goes their own way and just becomes traumatized and leave it at that and start doing drugs and start acting out, right. start pedophiles as well, whatever, all those things that come with that. Um, and then it's another for, especially for family, because family, you can't just throw them away sometimes. Personally speaking, I mean, I, for me, if someone does that to me, I, Thank you for the sorry. I got, I did, I was blessed to get two apologies from both of my abusers before one, before one died and one while I was living. So I appreciate that so much. It really helps a hundred, oh, yeah. but um, I can't sit down and have crumpets and tea with you at, at this no. point. It's, it's yeah. just a weird, and then, and here's the part when you, you, when you're traumatized like this, you're not just losing, you didn't just lose your body and your mind, right? right. You lost your family because even if, everybody agrees with you. There's still now a funky dynamics. So those Sunday dinners we used to have, they're not the same. No, they're not. Christmas is never going to be the same. And then you stop going because you're like, why am I subjecting myself to being sitting next to this person? And I don't want to. So if, when it's in a family, it's really hard because right. now you have to make a choice. I have to give up all these people that I love to keep my sanity. Or am I going to sit at the table and pretend like nothing ever happened and have cheese and crumpets and act like this didn't happen to me at two years old and four years old? These are not, we're not talking about 30 year old adults. We're talking no. about children. Right. That, that to me is, is, I can't explain it to me. A lot of people say, oh, I forgive them. It's no big deal. I'm over it. Blah, 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 blah. Mm -mm. You never get over it. We've had deep rooted therapy and deep rooted meditation and deep, I mean, like a lot of work. It's, I'm talking about 30 years worth of work. Yeah me 30 years of work to get to where I'm at now. And I still have moments where I'm like, hmm, but so it's, it's a work, but, but here's the thing. We have to understand that victims do not have to stay uh, combined to that family that traumatize them. For me, um, for my mother, if I'm two years old and my mother was not um, handling her business and saying, wait, something's wrong with my child. 
I got a problem with that. And 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 the victim in me wouldn't have a problem. I'd be like, um, because I didn't for years. I was like, oh no, that's all right. They didn't know any better. But but I don't want to make excuses for them anymore because it's this, I just can't explain it, but two years old, one years old, nine months old, you don't know something's yeah. wrong. Like, come on, like really? And so mine happened, my uh Tanya, mine happened around two years old, two two or three yes. with my grandfather and eleven and twelve by the clergy and uh then i was raped at 18 uh at a college by a student and uh, grieving my losses that's the key for me besides yes. having support mm, sexual assault or abuse is a death-like experience dark yes. night of the soul no yes. one can fully comprehend or understand except another who's been there that's why i appreciate your having me on today because you get it you understand yes. me oh yes and you're traumatized by the crimes, and they are crimes, sex crimes against us. Yes. Grief wears many disguises and doesn't always come as de death knocking at your door. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's expected, other times unexpected. But unless you grieve all your losses, one mm -hmm. after the other, you will end up lost forever, locked in a prison with no walls or corpses. In mm -hmm. writing my book, I began the process of grieving chapter by chapter, many of the losses. And let me tell you, that helped me come forward and be able to help other other survivors heal. Did you, did you also do the therapy piece? My therapy was my 12-step New International Version devotional Bible. It's a, it's a Bible unlike any other I've ever gotten. It's got a lot of the answers and awareness and, and shame and blame and all kinds of things in it. Adam mm -hmm. and Eve shamed each other and blamed mm -hmm. each other. And mm -hmm. that's where it all started. And mm -hmm. if you if you end up blaming your whole life, uh, you won't ever be whole. Now, maybe I'm not entirely whole yet. I don't know. I know we will be when we go to heaven mm -hmm. if we know Jesus in our heart. Right. And well, I have I have a problem with uh, not a problem. My, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but I was a preacher kid. My mom was a minister. No, I um, didn't know that. Yeah, I was a preacher since I was seven. So I, I and she used to tell me I'm going to be called to preach. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Going around doing motivational speaking, pretty much preaching. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but uh, but so here's my thing. We used to have great debates on this. Uh, is that remember? There's a lot of people that were sexually abused by clergy. So therefore, therefore, we know that the Bible is often used as a shield and a weapon. And I believe that a lot of pedophiles and people of that light and negative light are, are hiding right in the church under the church. Oh, yeah. In the Bible and using scriptures, quoting them like they they like they got. And for instance, like one gentleman, and I, I, I won't say the name, of course, I would never do that. But um, he said um, it's, it's in relation to child sex abuse and forgiveness, which we can talk about forgiveness. And most people say all the pastors said it is imperative that you forgive because you can't uh, move forward without forgiving. And the Lord will not bless you unless you forgive and all this other stuff. And I was like, listen, when you started talking about God won't forgive me, we, you lost me. You, lo yeah. you lose the victim, right? You lost me right away. Because here's what you should be saying is, it is your choice to forgive or not to forgive. And the reason why you want to forgive is because it does bring an interpersonal closer closing for you. Mm -hmm. That does not mean that I like the abuser. That does not mean I will sit and talk to the abuser. That doesn't mean that they can even be in my camp. What it means for me is that, okay, I can breathe. I've let that go. That's what it means for me, right? Yeah. But people misinterpret that 
and they want to say that the guy said something like, yeah, it says in the Bible that if you don't forgive, you can't get into the gates of heaven if you don't forgive. I was like, what is he talking no, about? What scripture he's quoting? But my mama, my mama knew the Bible inside out and I knew the Bible inside out. And I don't remember Jesus saying that. I just don't remember. So forgive me, but I'm adamant about that because some people who are abused by clergy as well, I don't, they don't, I believe in spirituality um, and I believe in God. But some people don't like to say church and all that stuff because for obvious reasons. I mean, if you were affected by the church, you're not going to really want to go to church or hear anything about church. You'll be atheist right. probably. Uh, and I respect that. As long as you have a spirituality, I'm right. good. That's what I'm, that's what I'm working on. So I just wanted to clarify for people that, you know, you forgiveness, forgiveness. And you can tell me what that looks like. I know you forgave and that's, oh, I, I commend people that forgive, but I'll give you an example of forgiveness that's not real. For instance, somebody, well, I won't say her name, a, a certain evangelist. Uh, and she, I'll just say she wears a lot of white. How about that? White clothes. I'll say that. And she has blonde hair. Uh, and she uh, says she forgives her dad. I know who you mean. Exactly. She says she forgives her dad. Well, then, um, okay, that would explain some of your weird behavior that's going on because clearly you you don't you didn't get the healings you needed. So to me, just people saying, "Oh yeah, I forgive them," and I'm all this that doesn't mean nothing to me. I can tell by people's actions and behaviors if they really um, are down with the Word of God and really are are forgiving, as they say. Uh, and if they didn't forgive, they just said it because it just sounds so topical. Yeah, forgiveness. Yeah, it's a thing. I'm gonna do it. No, you have to, it has to be from your heart. First of all, you have to really say like, I actually do forgive you. Um, and but that doesn't mean that I'll be in your face, but it, I can actually forgive you. So I don't, I'm funny about those things. So forgive me um, that I'm working. God's not through with me. He's working on me as we speak. Yeah. Um, but well, tell me what forgiveness looks like from your standpoint of view. How about that? Forgiveness is a process that begins with the first step of admitting we need God's help to lighten the darkness. I was in the dark for so long, and I want to tell you that it doesn't change your past. It doesn't erase the past. It doesn't erase what happened. And if you don't feel that you can go to the person that harmed you or even pray for that person, at least pray for yourself, and God will do what he wants to do. Um, for me, I don't know that I would be where I am. I know I wouldn't have probably written my book if I hadn't faced the clergy. Because when I walked in that room and saw this man, he was disheveled. He looked like one of the alcoholics we uh, were working with. Um, there was a psychologist that sat to my right and the clergy uh, had a, you know, that were walking me through it. Uh, one at a time, there were four of us came in the room. Mm -hmm. I um, didn't expect to have that happen. But when I saw my friend at this camp and she said, let's go forward with it, with it, um, I did. And when I walked in the room, I, I had about an hour and three quarters of my story, my testimony of what he did and how he did it at the camp and in the lake and in the missionary lodge, sodomized and things like that with the kids. And uh, so your wounds are really bleeding and you haven't worked through all this yet. But for me, if I hadn't walked in that room and saw him, and then I heard him say, now, up until this point, he was in complete denial. Oh, I didn't do it. I might have brushed against them, blah, blah, blah. No, he did. And uh, yet he did look at me and he said, I know something's wrong with me. I told my wife, he said, but he said, I don't know if you can find it in your heart to forgive me. Mm -hmm. At that point, I was teaching 
the support group, forgiveness is way down the link of the chain, way down. You may never do it. But mm -hmm. for me, when he said that, I said, I wouldn't be here had I not been able to forgive. Yes, I forgive you. So it doesn't mean that you condone it. Right. They have to answer to God. He, you know, he will. And so will all those that molest kids. Mm -hmm. And um, so we're hiding sometimes from ourselves or from the others if we don't work through our own stuff. And that's what I'm doing now. I'm, I had to go way back to all the people that betrayed me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have to, but I did, including my husband and forgive him. And he really appreciates. He tells me almost every day how much he loves me and how much he appreciates my staying with him. Um, I didn't have to, but something deeper in me, something bigger than me, uh, which was God, uh, came forward in my life and helped me do that. And you are helping me today. That's amazing. Uh, I think that's amazing. Uh, one of the things I want to make sure people know, uh, therapy is very, very, is in your self-care, okay? Uh -huh. What that looks like to me is therapy or uh, support groups. Um, what's another one? Right. Support, groups, support groups are amazing. There's incest survivor support groups. There's regular, uh, there's all yeah. types. You name it, there's a support group for it, whether it's uh, codependency, whatever it is, there's a support group out there. And usually you can find one for free. So you just have to keep Googling until you find one in your local area called the Department of Social Services in your area. They usually know of someone somewhere or something called the 311 or 211, depending on where you live. Um, that's very important because if a victim does not get any kind of therapy, does not go to any support groups and no kind of NA means a group, anything that with the group formulated formula, which, which helps you process basically. Um, right. I hate to say it, but all that goes where? inside and when it insides it rots your insides most of right. us end up with illnesses heart attacks um eat overeating oversexing over whatever else you can think of because right. we internalize it right and so to not inter this and this is my former counseling skills so forgive me for going left uh but but therapy to me is everything i think i think i'm where i'm at because I did over 30 years worth of therapy. Now, what the truth is, the first, what, the first 18 was because as a foster kid, you have to have therapy. So I had to do it. So, you know, but after that, you know, after I aged out at 21, I did 18 and 21 again, um, I sought out therapists that could specialize in these things or that I felt comfortable with to compartment, you know, yes. get this all out. Because, because it's, it's like a, Okay, you can heal from anything that happens to you, whoever's out there, anything. I don't care what it is. I have a friend that was buried alive at nine years old. Okay, so and, and she's and she's still about alive. Now, do people wow. have multiple personalities? Yeah, she does, but it's okay. You survive. So I'm telling you this, if you're a victim out there, I don't care if you're 10, I don't care if you're 20, whatever age you are, you can get through this. The catch is right. talking to the right people or person. That's the catch. Because when you process, you can take all that garbage and that trauma and throw it out on the floor. It's like a big puzzle. Scoop it up and then put it in your Louis Vuitton bag as you see fit and store it where you want to. Because now you've got it together. It takes years. It's not going to be, oh, five yes. sessions and you're done. No, you need to do uh, emotional, uh, um, emotional, what's it called? Emotional support everywhere. 
uh, com, things like that, you know, meditational therapy. You need your little yoga. You need to know about exercising and walking to clear your head, to get the oxytocin, whatever you call it, in your brain, serotonin uh, running in your brain. You need to do all, it's a bunch of modalities, but you have to do some form of therapy. Don't think for one minute that you're going to slide by because I see people now who were like, oh, I'm fine. Everything's great. And it's been 40 years and everything's fine. And I see little spots. Right. It's, like, it's, like it's like water spitting out of the little holes. You know, it's like that. There's some, there's some, there's some. You see it. And, and I only see it because I worked in this field for so many years. So maybe that's why. And maybe because I'm a victim. I don't know. And I have a third eye. So maybe that's why. But I'm saying to you, because each spirit, to me, everybody matters, in my opinion. Everybody matters. Every victim matters. And you don't get to your greatness. You can't get to it because you're focused on, oh, I'm traumatized and I got all this stuff on me, this bag, heavy weights on me, and I can't get them off. You can't get anywhere. You can't do anything. You're stuck. You're just stuck. I've seen people stay stuck and they they do fine, as they say, fine. They work and they go to work and come home. But that's not sometimes we need to be doing more than fine people. We need to be finding our gifts. What is our gift? What did God call us here for? You have a specific reason to be here and you can't find it if you're caught up in your trauma you can't find it so i'm saying get therapy find somebody you can find free groups that's if right. you need every 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 survivor needs support yes i agree yes. with you tanya every every survivor isolates from others to avoid being hurt again but we all need support from somewhere and uh then you think Think, okay, well, who can I trust? Family, friends, uh, maybe they'll be angry or not understand. It doesn't matter who understands as long as you understand yourself and what you've gone yeah. through. If you understand exactly. what happened to you and why you're the way you are and support is so necessary to find that out, um, yes. it's wonderful having support and the layers upon layers upon layers come off. And then yes. you start caring for yourself and taking care of yourself. Absolutely. And that, and that is the goal. And in that one last thing we'll talk about before we end is spirituality. Um, how, how can that help you? I believe it's a great uh, way of helping people out of anything. If you have spirituality, you can roll through anything because it is something that when everything else fails, everyone else fails and they will fail. Um, that spirituality in you it's that thing, I can't explain it, that je ne sais quoi, I don't know how they say it, that that takes hold and says, everything's going to be okay. You don't even know how, but you that little voice, this, mm, you know, tell me about that spirituality before we go. We only have five minutes left. Okay. Um, well, if you don't have spirituality, um, for me, I have deep faith and the call of God on my life, I had to listen to it. It was like a sound of a distant drum. I had a choice to either listen to it or pay a high price. And you do pay a price for speaking out. You will be persecuted. You will be ostracized. Either you listen to the voice of others and be silenced and victimized, or you listen to the voice of God. And he has taught me to listen to him and depend on him alone and listen for his still small voice. And he always prepares you. Like you said, every one of us have a call to do something. Not all of us are going to be doing what you're doing, Tanya, or what I'm doing. I've been a right. uh, humanitarian aid worker in the Philippines. I prepared seven sermons to 
preach over there. I didn't know I was going to preach sermons in prisons and men and women prisons and uh, to pastors and universities and schools over there. But God knew. And I prepared yeah. him and I went with uh, risk taking. If you're not a risk taker, you won't go anywhere either. You got to step out of your comfort zone and, and risk and Absolutely. be who you are. Absolutely. That is so important to step out of your comfort zone. Um, and, and with that, so the last thing I'll ask you is what do you want people to take away from your book? There are answers and awareness in my book that um, I know will help you, will help anybody heal from childhood abuse to um, domestic sexual violence to pornography, infidelity, anything that you will read in there, you will get hope for, or maybe you get a book for somebody that needs it and you, you know, somebody needs it. So for me, God gave me Proverbs 31, eight and nine, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and needy. That's Proverbs 31, eight and nine. And when I read that, that verse, I, I really, I had to let everything go, let everybody go and just listen to God in his still small voice. So for me, spirituality was uh, not religion. Religion is a set of rules. God hates right. rules and you choke mm -hmm. on rules. They don't heal you. Uh, religion is a set of rules. Christianity is a faith and a walk of life and a relationship mm -hmm. with Jesus. That's it. That's for me. A relationship with Jesus. Well, that's awesome. Uh, and uh, and for me, spirituality is, uh, I believe in God myself personally, but I understand those that don't, but I will tell you this, right. get some spirit in you, get some spirit in you because you need some spirit to get through all the little things that happen in our lifetime. Trust me, you need it. You need at least spirituality is what I will say to you. Uh, and uh, so, and without judging, because I don't, I don't, if someone says they're atheist, I said, fine, no problem. Uh, and I had a yeah. friend that was atheist for over 30 years and finally she saw the light and said, yeah. you know what? You're right. And I was like, I told you, girl, you got to find some spirituality somewhere because trust me, the devil will test you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She'll be like, oh, you don't believe in nothing. Oh, let me see what I can pop up for you here. Trust <laughs> me, you'll need it. Uh, and I believe kids who have some kind of faith, I believe they get uh, it gives them an up when they run into a situation. Instead of taking it out and saying, I'm just going to be here anymore. I just can't take it. They say, well, something will happen good. Because that's what I did. I, I don't know where I got mine from because I didn't meet my mom until I was seven. So my, my forever mom. So before that, I was in the orphanages and the group home, whatever you want to call it. And so I don't know where I got it from, but I always felt like something was better than me and bigger than me mm -hmm. that protecting me. I knew something was. I don't know how, but I did. And I think that is what was my saving grace. You uh, had a guardian angel. We all have guardian angels watching over us. Definitely had an angel. So yeah. um, thank you so much, Barbara, for uh, for being with us. I really appreciate you so much. You guys, make sure you go out and uh, get the book. Um, thank you. Um, because uh, it, it's, here you say, how do you say it? It will definitely save or change a life. That's my quote, my personal quote that I made up, to save or change a life. That yes. is what this is, show is all about. That is what... Um, her book is all about. So I hope that you will share this video for the fact that someone may be listening. There's so many people that didn't find out they were sexually abused until they saw something on TV. Mm -hmm. And no, no idea, because especially if you're groomed as a kid, 
like one years old, you have no idea. You're trained to, to think that it's okay to play grit games or do this or do that. You don't know, and that's okay. Um, so now if you know, or if you know someone that doesn't know and train your kids, people don't think that, that your kids, the kids are way smarter than you think they are, but you yeah, can train are. them not to that, to that, oh, we don't sit on, on grown men's laps, honey. We don't do that because why? Because we don't know who is and who isn't. We just don't. So I, my dad was like, don't sit on nobody's lap. We all have that problem. Will we? Right. So you can train your kids for certain things without traumatizing them or making them scared. You know, there's ways to do it. You know, you train them like that's your body and only your body. No one else is allowed to touch your body. You know, little things you can train them that they'll get that. Wait a minute. Why is so-and-so doing that? That doesn't mommy said this is not right. So just think about these things, people, please, because think about these. All them 7.2 million children out there who are not getting help. Where are they? They're going to grow up to be the Jeffrey Dahmers and grow up to be the uh, John Wayne Gacy's and grow up to be, you know, the Oklahoma bomber type people. Uh, so you got to be careful. Um, you know, it's crucial that we do a net a safety net now and catch our kids and help our kids because they will be the future. So if they're traumatized at two and three and four and five, oh, we are so done. I saw I can tell you. So get it together, families, parents kids, if you know you're out there and you know someone's training you to do that to your sibling, you know it's wrong. Uh, it is wrong. And and I don't know why you have your hands in the lion's mouth, take it out slowly. So I know there's people in abuse situations that they absolutely cannot get out of. But plan, plot and plan. I had a friend that planned for years. Her father was an abuser uh, since she was, can remember, toddler. She doesn't even remember. And she planned and plotted. She said, one day I will get out of this. That she mm -hmm. planned, went to the best college, had them pay for everything, and disappeared out of mm -hmm. the blue. I disappeared, never to talk to again. So, so there's ways, uh, there's ways around it. Why we have to stay in so long, I don't know, but I do think that God brings us through everything for a reason. You know what I'm saying? Poor Lisa Steinberg is not here, but even she had a reason. Now we're thinking about her. We're thinking about how can we help children not go through this. We're think we never thought about it before her. We never was like, oh, someone you know did what they did to her. No, we never think that. We would never think it. So now we're like, wait, let's be on our p's and q's. So everything happens for some reason or another, good or bad, um, and we have to figure out how to process it and how to use it to our advantage and help people. So I hope today you learned something. And Barbara Joy Hansen, we thank you so much for taking time to be on the town with Tanya. Hang out with me for a minute while I say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you very much for taking time. Thank Grandma you. and Joe, I hope you're feeling better. Jen, my friend Jen, I hope you're feeling better. I love you. Uh, blessings uh, and blessings to you all. <laughs>